630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, it's hump day. And I found out hump day named after the rare three-humped camel found on the northern shore of Chip Lake. There's your Northern Alberta fun fact for the evening. You can reach out, of course, by calling or texting 780-496-0063. I know many of you have comments, concerns, or excitement about a potential NHL return, which, well, we could be about two months away from playing games if everything goes according to plan. Tonight, tomorrow, and Friday, we'll hear from some current NHL players what they have been through, waiting, seeing what's going to happen with the pandemic, get some reaction to the return-to-play plan. Darnell Nurse and Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers are scheduled to hold a Zoom media conference call tomorrow. Leon Dreisaitl, the Art Ross Trophy winner for the 2019-20 season, is scheduled to speak on Friday. We're also going to try to connect with NHLers from Northern Alberta for some other teams as well. And in a few minutes tonight, we'll get to Mark Letestu, who is a friend of this program, a forward with the Winnipeg Jets. He has been at his home in Columbus as this has been going on. And the Jets set for a showdown with the Calgary Flames if the NHL does indeed wind up being able to play the tournament format that has been proposed. And Latesta, you know what he went through with some heart difficulties earlier this season. He was on the verge of returning to action. He was going to play a couple conditioning games in the American Hockey League when the season was placed on pause. So he's coming up later on in this half hour. Brian Blessing will be on the show tonight from the Vegas Hockey Hotline. Excellent radio show in Las Vegas. What's the situation there? How well-prepared is Las Vegas to be a hub city. They have really been considered one of the favorites through most of this process, uh, largely because of the hotel capacity that they can have and and uh, how they're often dealing with uh, a lot of people visiting and keeping things clean and running smoothly and all that kind of stuff. So Brian is going to check in tonight as well. Ken Holland, the general manager of your Edmonton Oilers, he held a media call over Zoom today, and he touched on a variety of issues. I want to get to this quick clip here first. The regular season has been declared over, and Holland had been asked this question before, you know, when the season went into pause with still about one-eighth of the season, or, uh, you know, one just over a tenth of the season to go, I suppose. What what was going to happen with the James Neal Lucic trade. You remember the conditions. If James Neal scores 21 or more goals and beats Lucic by 10 or more, then Edmonton would have to also trade a third round pick to the Calgary Flames. Well, the final total was 19-8. If you prorate it, you know, Neal would get to just over 21. Is the league going to do that? What about a player like Mike Smith? He had all those games played plateaus built into his contract. So he got some extra money every fifth game. If he would have had one more appearance to get to 40, that would have been an extra quarter million dollars for Mike Smith. You know, might the players union or some of the players have arguments to say, well, Hey, I was going to do that. It's not because of me that I didn't hit that plateau. Here's Ken Holland on those bonuses and conditions. We just got the news yesterday afternoon as to, uh, that that we did get, um, that the league is the, the, the 1920 season is officially over. So, uh, um, I sent in some questions to the league yesterday, and I know that uh, lots of other managers did too. So we'll, we'll wait for those answers. All right. So he doesn't have the answer. So I guess you'd have to say it's still possible that uh, you know maybe the Oilers might have to shift that pick over to the Calgary Flames. Maybe, play, and I mean, there'd be other players 
in Smith's uh, Smith skates throughout the league that maybe they're they're just a, a game or two away or goal or two away from a bonus. You know, can they argue they would have got that, or is the NHL just going to say, "Well, that's that's too bad." You know, the season ended. There was no provision for prorating or these kinds of circumstances. So a little bit of an ongoing story there. As, as the uh, Oilers prepare to face Chicago in in maybe a couple of months, talk about a lead up, eh? <laughs> I, I mean, what, what have you known of a playoff opponent, or a, I guess we're calling it a qualifying round opponent, this far in advance in the National Hockey League? I, I guess sometimes in in the in the '80s when there were three five-team divisions and one six-team division and the playoffs were in your division, maybe sometimes a matchup would start to look locked in with still a few weeks left in the regular season, but it, it wouldn't have been confirmed this far in advance. So Edmonton and Chicago, Joachim Nygaard, Mike Green, they were the Oilers' injured players when the season was paused. They were both scheduled to return in April, so they would be healthy. You know, Holland said, unless there are injuries in, in the training camp, you hope that everybody is good to go. And what about the roster size? How many players might a team be allowed to carry through this postseason tournament? Well, I've been talking to Tippett over the last, uh, well, the whole time, but really the last week or 10 days and, you know, not being sure of what the numbers were. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, we probably are going to for sure carry 10 defensemen. Um, and, you know, the, the goalies are unlimited, so we're working off of a 28-skater list, uh, per se. Um, if you're sure gonna, for sure you're going to need 16, 17 forwards, so um, we'll, we'll see. We're, I'm really, we're really waiting for the, the, the exact, for, for, the, for the union and the league to make, uh, to give us specific in, in, instructions as to what the numbers are, but certainly at 28, uh, um, you know, we'll have we'll have a few decisions to make at, at the for the, the last couple of spots. Okay, so likely a 28-man roster for the for the uh, teams for the postseason, not counting goaltenders. So, so who could the Oilers use? Uh, I mean, Marcus Granlund would probably come back and be available. He's signed in the KHL for next season, but still under contract to the Oilers for the rest of this year. So, uh, you know, he'd probably have to honor that and and be available. You you might say, I mean, having extra goalies around, so maybe somebody like Stuart Skinner, Dylan Wells, pick anybody off the farm team, could be around as an extra goaltender. And, uh, you know, Tyler Benson, who got a brief call up this season, he'd probably be around as one of the extra players who would jump in if needed. What about Philip Broberg, the Oilers' first-round draft pick, eighth overall, from last June, played this year in Sweden, and it was it's, it's expected that he's going to play a full season in Sweden next year. Holland had said in an earlier media availability that that would be his preference with Broberg, and maybe that still happens for next season, but remember, this is the conclusion of the current season, and here's what Holland had to say about Broberg. He specifically brought up Broberg. We've talked to the league. He is... Uh... Um, he's a signed player. Um, we signed him to a contract last summer, so certainly he is the player that we are um, available and eligible to invite to phase three. Not sure if we're going to do it or not. Now I, I got to I got to make sure that uh, the, the most important thing is we bring in players that are going to uh, um, give us depth and uh, give us an opportunity to go on a playoff run. And if we can have a, a young player, or a couple of young players on uh, in the camp to get experience for the future, that's a good thing, but that, that really is not the number one priority. 
All right, so there's a quick summary of some of the highlights from Ken, Ken Holland's uh, speech with the media, his availability with the media earlier today. We'll get to a couple more clips as we move along tonight. Also, uh, you'll hear from Premier Kenny, from Dr. Dina Hinshaw, as Alberta tries to maneuver, Edmonton tries to maneuver to be a hub city. We're facing that 14-day quarantine in Canada. Premier Kenny has asked Ottawa to waive that to declare athletes uh, and team personnel necessary workers to come back and finish the season. Dr. Hinshaw was asked, what if there's a positive test if Edmonton were a hub? So we'll get to some of that as well. When we get back, former Oiler now getting ready to go again, thinking about the postseason, thinking about playing the Calgary Flames. Mark Letesti when we return. He was waiting most of the season to be healthy enough to return to action. Mark Letestu, who was dealing with a bit of a heart issue, kept him out most of the year. He was on the verge of returning, and then the season went into pause. So now he's waiting to join the Winnipeg Jets for the qualifying round, which would be against the Calgary Flames. Welcome back to the show, Elk Point's Mark Letestu. Mark, how are you doing? Oh, good, Reed. Uh, things in Ohio are, are sunny, and, and I guess the, the spring is in full bloom here. Good. Well, it's good to have you on the show again, and, and we have some news to talk about. Let's just get an update on you, first of all. Obviously, we talked a couple of months ago, and, and you'd gone through the, the difficulty with your heart that kept you out most of the season, and you were about to play a couple games in the AHL when the season got placed on pause. Are you still feeling pretty good? Yeah. No, I'm uh, starting to ramp it up, obviously, with, uh, like, as you said, the news of, of things seemingly progressing towards playing again uh you know you start ramping up your training to be ready for uh, a training camp scenario which it seems like we're headed towards tell us a little bit about the training i mean we've heard from a few players over the last couple of months about some of the challenges of meeting their usual off-season standards alex chason was on with me a couple of weeks ago and said he had to order in some equipment and put something together in his place here in edmonton what's that been like for you yeah it it has been challenging uh you know in a similar situation as alex you know i had to get the bike in the house just to to get some sort of you know, training on the cardio system, but uh, with the demand for everybody, it seemed like weights and, and, you know, fitness equipment was basically, you know, is out of stock everywhere. So even ordering in stuff was difficult at times, uh, but living in Ohio, uh, a lot of our restrictions, you know, have been lifted recently and, and uh, while meeting, you know, the social distancing guidelines, uh, we've been able to actually get back in the gym, uh, kind of a pro group we have here in Ohio, uh, training with Anthony Donskov. So it, it's been good uh, to get back in that kind of team atmosphere of training uh, with everybody kind of the, the mindset of getting ready for what looks like, uh, you know, playoffs. So have you guys been doing kind of what we seem to be headed towards uh, maybe in Edmonton or with the NHL camps in a couple of weeks, like try to keep it to a small group and still be aware of, of hygiene and, and giving everybody some space? Yeah, there's federal and state guidelines uh, that we've all been given, and the gym's done great as far as, you know, abiding by those. So uh, it seems to be the new uh, way that we're going to train now, and that's in small groups, like I said, adhering to hygiene and, 
you know, taking temperatures and taking questionnaires. And, and although it's tedious at times, uh, it's necessary uh, to get back to doing what we like to do safely. So it, it just becomes a part of your routine. And, you know, been doing it for a couple of days now. It, it really is a, a small chore kind of in the grand scheme of things. Mark, can you kind of take us through the lead-up to the NHL PA vote on the weekend, the NHL's announcement yesterday? I, I know as players you want to play, but there's, you know, six, 700 guys in the union that might have a uh, different level of concern and a uh, different level of uh, willingness to perhaps go stay in another city for a long period of time. Uh, I mean, I think Bob McKenzie tweeted out that the executive uh, board meeting might have been a little raucous at times. Uh, you know, can you can you give us a little bit of a sense of sort of uh, the, this, the different thought processes that different players might have had through all this? Well, yeah, I think, you know, I can't speak to all calls. Obviously, I'm not on all of them, and I can't speak to if it was raucous or contentious or anything like that. Uh, but I think, the, you know, when you get in, in a union or a group size of 600 to 700 members, uh, everybody's situation is going to be different. Uh, some guys are, are young and single, can kind of move at the drop of a hat. Some guys have families. Uh, some players have pre-existing conditions that, that might put them at more risk, or even family members, uh, you know, with pre-existing conditions that again put them at risk. So, there's there, all that being factored into one decision. Uh, I think is cause for why, you know, these things maybe get contentious, and, and then all voices are heard and everything is expressed, you know, within the group, so that you can make the best decision for all uh, all the members involved. And I think that's probably why. Uh, you know, a decision like this maybe has taken uh, longer than maybe fans, uh, you know, would like. But uh, I think everybody in the union is comfortable uh, with the vote now, obviously, with it being, you know, the only two teams who are against it. And you understand their concerns as well. But uh, once you get through this vote and the format's laid out, uh, it's on to the next step. And, again, continuing to do this as safe as possible with, with everybody's health and families in mind. For for you personally, and Columbus could be, uh, you know, could possibly be a host. So even though you're with the Winnipeg Jets, who knows if they would wind up there? But uh, but I, you probably wouldn't be able to stay in your house anyway. What's wh- where is your mind at with? Okay, maybe we go to a market where, like Edmonton, where there aren't a lot of cases, but you know the virus still exists. Do you would you say you have? you know, serious concerns about it, moderate concerns, or, or where are you at with that? Well, I think you, you have to respect it. I don't think you can discount it, uh, you know, altogether and just, you know, rely on the fact that you're a professional athlete and fairly young and, and that, it, you know, you're invincible. I, I don't think that's the case. I think you have to be, uh, you know, you have to be mindful of what the, the professionals are saying and, and the union and the league have given us access to those health professionals and, and they have... And I think they're making decisions in accordance with, with their guidelines. So uh, I leave it to the professionals. Uh, and if I'm told that I can safely perform my duties, uh, then then I'm happy to go and play. Uh, so th- that's kind of where I stand on it. Uh, so when I'm told it's safe that uh, I'm no longer at a, a huge risk of, of being a professional hockey player, then I'm happy to be one. Mark Letestu from the Winnipeg Jets joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Okay, as for the Jets, 
you know, if if we do get to the point that we can execute this 24-team tournament, Jets, Flames in a best-of-five qualifying round, uh, the old Smythe division, I think you're just barely old enough to remember that. Maybe, <laughs> you're certainly not as old as me. I remember the heyday of that division. But uh, give, us, uh, give us a sense of maybe being invo- involved in an all-Western Canadian matchup. To me, that's, uh, I mean, obviously I'd be focusing on the Oilers series, but I think that would be a fun one to follow. Well, I think it. I think it is fun, and I think the fact that we we get to talk about it uh, in that scope is fun. Uh, that we're back talking about hockey and matchups, and uh, you know, I sure wish that this this type of a series could have been played out in front of the fan bases. I think that would have been uh, really cool to kind of ignite that Western Canadian kind of rivalry again. But uh, with the two teams, uh, you know, how fast and how physical. And really, how good both teams were playing coming into, I guess, the break. Uh, the, the matchup, I think, is a lot of fun, uh, and I'm sure, uh, I'm sure our coaches and their coaches, you know, once you get that kind of announcement, they, they've been uh, hard away at trying to break down scouting reports and matchups. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of information for us to digest when we finally get back to camp. Uh, and then with a the buildup of however long. Uh, our camp is going to be into that first playoff game. I think it's a, a truly unique situation we've never seen. Uh, you know, this time off, and then you don't get you don't get a warm up game. You know, you're right into game one of the playoffs. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. With uh, you're going to have that exhibition probably sharpness to the game with a playoff intensity. So the the recipe there, I'm not sure what uh, the product's going to look like. Well, you answered my next question in advance because there's been some uh, speculation about if, if it could look maybe like preseason hockey for the first couple of games. And would that feel weird that there's that much on the line in your first game back after several months? Because let's face it, Mark, usually your first game back after several months is one of the first three games of the preseason. And uh, I know you guys are all competitive, but those aren't always the most intense affairs <laughs> in the world. But you got to have it ready to go you know, potentially August 1st, right out of the gate, whenever it is. Yeah, well, I think the whole situation is strange. I don't even think the circumstances. I think if you come up for warm-up in that first game in a neutral site building with nobody in it, the strangeness is just, it's going to be obvious. Uh, so the fact that the games are going to mean so much at such an early point, I think it's just going to add to how unique the whole situation is going to be. Uh, so I think that... Honestly, the camps are probably going to be run certain ways. You know, I can't speak to it because I don't know what the coaches are thinking because you're wearing or you're weighing injury uh, prevention and also probably ramping guys up into intensity of the playoffs that, you know, it'd be unprecedented to do it this quickly. So, uh, again, it's going to be a unique time. And I think most players, if we're going to get back to it, uh, kind of got to be open minded to, to different you know, training techniques or practices and, and how we're going to ramp up to get ready for this because, uh, you know, now 24 teams have a chance at it. And I think that's exciting uh, in its own. All right. And I'll close on a bit of a, a, a lighter note. Um, I, I know you have uh, kids and uh, I know, I know they're still younger, but I'm sure they, they have some idea what dad does for a living. Have they figured out why you've been home for so long? <laughs> Yeah, no, I think we we've seemed to have been pretty honest with them. You know, their world's changing just like ours. You know, they're they're out of school, and uh, you know, my son just had his first baseball practice. Uh, you know, in a few months. So, as things are slowly returning, uh, you try to explain to them as they go. But 
uh, I think they've been pretty happy uh, to have me around as much as I've been happy to be around them. Uh, so this time's actually been good to kind of reconnect with family and, and share some moments we might have missed. So I, I, we've enjoyed it, uh, but I'm sure they're ready also for Dad to go back and do what he loves to do. All right. Well, Mark, always a pleasure to have you on the show. All the best. Glad you're feeling well, and we'll talk to you again. All right. Thanks, Reed. All right, always good to catch up with Mark Latestu. We're going to take a break for the news, a little more from Ken Holland, and we'll go to Vegas to check in with their hub hosting situation. Leopard Kellen Kennedy? Yeah, it is. Good man. I'll have to look into some of their stuff. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet Oilers and Eskimos Radio. We would have had an Eskimos preseason game on Sunday. We'd have another one coming up this weekend. Instead, we wait. Maybe we'll get a CFL season starting around Labor Day. Maybe we get a 10-game regular season. Great Cup pushed back a couple of weeks into December, and if they do have a great cup, it'll be hosted by the participating team with the best regular season record, which would be something new. It was Saskatchewan Rough Riders who were going to host this year. I guess they still could if they play their way in, but they'll get the great cup festival and game in 2022. Next year will remain in Hamilton. The NHL, of course, a big talking point over the last couple of days, Gary Bettman and Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly spoke yesterday and outlined the phases, what would happen with testing. They want to test, test, test. I mean, basically once players got back, camp was underway, they would want players to be tested at least twice a week. They want to go to a jurisdiction where there would be low COVID numbers and they wouldn't be interfering with public health testing. And then once the tournament actually started, they would want players to be tested every night and uh, be able to identify positive tests as quickly as possible, get that player out of the system so you don't have an outbreak. And we're going to touch on that in a couple of minutes. Just want to uh, wrap up uh, some more here with Ken Holland, who spoke today, and you can get more on the Oilers general manager by going to 630ched.com, globalnews.ca. It is uh, an unusual format because there, right now there is a, a slight mathematical chance that a team – could make the playoffs by being in this qualifying round, get eliminated, and then get the first overall pick. Now, that that will be ruled in or out by the time the tournament actually starts because, as we explained yesterday, they will have placeholder teams occupying slots 8 through 15 in the draft lottery. They'll be called teams A through H. So if Team F wins one of the lottery spots, then – they say, okay, one of the one of the qualifying round losers will have a chance at whatever spot that is. All eight of the losing teams would go into a draw for that spot, whether it's first, second, or third overall. So they'd have a then they'd have a one and eight chance to get that pick. And, you know, initially, obviously, those teams who did better in the regular season, which is the the hypothetical spots these teams will occupy, won't have very high lottery odds. But, but there is that chance, and Ken Holland was asked a little bit about that today. You could maybe win the Cup, or you could maybe get the first overall pick. 
Gary Bettman and his and, and Bill Daly and their people have de decided with uh, with terms to the to the entry draft having two lotteries. I think you know they've they, they've obviously put a ton of thought into it, and uh, um, the the eight play in losers. Um, you know, obviously have a chance to pick anywhere from one to 15. So with, with greatly reduced odds, but I, I think that that is fair for, uh, for all the teams. And, uh, you know, on the other side, from the competitive standpoint, um, I'm happy, you know, I kind of heard for a while that it was talk of a best of three in the play in round. I'm, I'm happy. It's a best of five. I think, uh, um, uh, you know, having no games played for, for, for all these teams and players from the middle of March until when we get started. There might be a little rust in the first game or two, but over the course of a five-game series, uh, um, you know, it's, it's an opportunity to, if you, if you get off to a sluggish start, to get back into the series. If, if you have a bad first game, you, you still got four more, you still got to lose two more versus how uh, quickly a best of three can go. So, uh, I think our players are excited. I know I'm excited, and I think Coach Tippett's excited. We're excited about the the opportunity. I, I know there's still a, uh, many hurdles, many, many, many things that need to happen uh, um, before we get to that point in time. But certainly, I think uh, everyone's hopeful that we can uh, um, get back up and running and, and see what our team is able to accomplish um, to finish off the 1920 season. All right, a little bit there from Ken Holland, and I think he made a good point. Best of five better than a, a best of three gives you a, a little bit more chance to recover if you fall behind, and you, the longer the series, the greater the chance that the better overall team is going to be able to win. So there's uh, there's Ken Holland summing that up today. All right, so you know, so much about this result revolves around the virus, what's going to happen with the pandemic, what will be the state of whatever community the and the the team goes into play how healthy is it going to be there how prevalent will the, will the virus be luckily in edmonton uh even though i think we had three new cases today we are doing a pretty good job keeping it under control and i think we have to keep along that path but what if edmonton was a hub city what if a player tested positive here's dr hinshaw so in the event of a, a positive test, then we would investigate as we do any positive COVID case. We would determine who the close contacts were and we would determine, um, you know, what the time period was of the person who tested positive, what the time period was that they were potentially infective to others, who they were in close contact with at that time, and then make a determination about uh, the quarantine requirements for those close contacts. I think that we would have to look very closely at the uh, concept, you know, we're, we're talking about the cohort quarantine concept for the international travel, incoming travelers, and so that potentially could be a consideration, but that's not something that we've discussed in detail. And ultimately, I would say that whoever is a close contact would have to be in quarantine. What that quarantine looks like, we could discuss. All right. So, I mean, close contact would be potentially teammates and players you, you played against. So, I mean, there, there are still so many questions about this and so many hurdles that have to be cleared. And hey, and I, I've heard it from some people. Is this all worth it? Are they going to start a tournament and there are a couple positive tests and it's just done? And then that's how the NHL season ends. Hey, I have that concern too. I mean, I'm not just 
sitting here, well, I, I host a sports show and I cover the Oilers, so I'm just gung-ho and sports is all that matters because I, I personally do not feel that way. I, I think I think health matters. I think safety matters. I think long-term thinking matters. So I, I get all your concerns. But the NHL is talking about this, and the NHL is – I mean, I, I would almost go so, so far as to say as the NHL is hell-bent on finishing the season because they're looking at that, you know, in the, in the ledger that they're going to lose – billion dollars if they can't play out the season and even if they got to spend millions on testing they'll they'll get a good chunk of their tv money back by having postseason games so i mean to me that's really the 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 crux of what what is happening here and that's why it's an unusual playoff format they're saying we're going to wait and they're saying we're going to play all the next season they want to get as many games in as possible. They want to get as as much money as possible, and they are trying to do it safely. I'm not saying that they're being uh, disrespectful of it, but there, I mean, there's there will always be a risk if they bring a lot of people together who have had to travel to to be wherever they're going and be in a confined space like a dressing room or a hockey rink or a hotel. There, there's a risk of something happening. So, you know, I, I, I get, and you know, people text in with concerns for sure. And I, and, and I get all of it. I, I hear you, but this is a story that the NHL wants to go. Here's a little bit uh, more from Hinshaw on how they would try to secure testing for NHL players. So we've been working with uh, private labs in Alberta to put together a policy to allow companies that wish to do additional testing over and above uh, what would be uh, recommended under kind of our typical public health approach so that there could be private pay options. And so the, the agreements that we're working on would facilitate access for those employers or companies that, again, would want to access testing for the purposes of a, a particular employer, um, making sure that that fell within public health guidelines of a requirement to report any positive cases, validation of the methodology that's being used, uh, and making sure that we are, are really clear on the follow-up. So so that is the framework that's being used for the NHL that, uh, again, the expectation being that if there were to be any shortages of lab supplies in the province, uh, that we would be including that as a part of the framework that lab supplies would be prioritized for public testing and that if there was sufficient testing supplies, uh, then they could be purchased through private lab for those employers such as the NHL that wish to do so. All right, so uh, there's a little bit there. So a lot of questions, a lot of concerns about testing. The NHL doesn't want to take tests away from from the public. Uh, again, Premier Kenny has written a letter to Prime Minister Trudeau urging him to declare players and team personnel as necessary workers to lift a quarantine so they could get everybody into Vancouver, Edmonton, or Toronto and uh, get finishing the season probably starting a couple of months from now. It is quarter to eight. We'll get the situation in Vegas from Brian Blessing when we get back. Brian Blessing standing by from the Vegas Hockey Hotline. He's probably going to have an opinion here as Sheldon has written in on the text line. He says, Reed, 
I'm the administrator for my hockey pool at work. I'm under a lot of pressure right now because there seems to be a lot of ideas about how to proceed. Some people think we should pay the winners as it stands. Some people think we should pay back the entry fees. Some think we should void the season and start a new playoff pool with the pot. Have you heard any best practices or what other NHL pools are doing? I have not. In fact, I'm, uh, I'm not totally sure what my uh, hockey pool is doing. I would not void the season. I'd find a way to pay out the people who did well or maybe give them part of the pot and then do another pool for the playoffs. That's what I would do, Brian Blessing. But that is a conundrum for a lot of poolsters right now. Oh, big time. I, uh, understandably so. And I know actually, uh, you know, regular season points that were wagered on, you know, here in Vegas, those are a refund. I mean, those, those are based on, on, on an 82-game schedule. So, so Vegas has been handing out a lot of refunds then for over-unders and all that kind of stuff. Well, but yeah, for, for regular season points, they would. Now, uh, you'd have to check the house rules uh, at most places, Reed, for odds to win the division if they quote-unquote said, you know, based on the points today, a team was quote-unquote the Pacific Division winner. I, I guess they could do it. But that the house rules would dictate that based on an 82-game uh schedule or a minimum of 70 games or you know it, it's all in the in the fine print okay yeah well sheldon i don't know if brian and i helped but uh, maybe maybe i'll have to do it i'll have to do a show on uh what to do with your your hockey pool from the regular season okay uh, hub cities there's a list of 10 edmonton's on us vegas is on it and a lot of people have kind of identified vegas as one of the favorites Obviously, we know there are a lot of hotels there, and they're huge, and they're used to having a lot of people. What about the ice sheet and practice rink options in, in, in Vegas? Uh, tell, tell us about that for potentially having 12 teams there at once. I think it could be done very easily, Reed. Uh, you know, you'd have T-Mobile Arena. Uh, the other one would be the Orleans Arena, where the AHL team is going to play this year until the new arena is built in Henderson. Uh, and that would be literally it, it's less than uh, a mile away uh, from where the players would be housed adjacent to T-Mobile Arena. And then City National Arena has the two practice sheets device. And in the past, they played hockey games at the MGM Garden Arena. So it, I, I, I think it can be done. Uh, it, it can be done here, sure. Okay. Yeah, because somebody brought that up to me. I wonder how many ice sheets Vegas. But there's, I guess... The old, so, the, but there's nothing in the same building like Edmonton has the downtown community rink that's all part of the same facility. There's nothing quite like that. No, that would be the, the one thing, I guess, for the practice arena. Yeah, you, it would be about a 10, 12-minute bus ride, which probably wouldn't be optimum. I, I hear L.A.'s really gaining some serious steam. And uh, you tell me, is uh, Vancouver potentially staging their training camp south of the border is that a tip-off that the canadian cities are are out of the loop i i don't know if that's necessarily the case but what do you make of vancouver coming south of the border to do their training camp yeah i'm, I'm glad you brought that up because i hadn't had time to touch on that yet but yeah yeah that's that's a really good point and, and and you know about the quarantine right if 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 it's daily said it yesterday if the quarantine's not lifted they uh they are not coming to canada and so then, you know, like, okay, of all the American cities, like, I know you live there, but we know the advantages of Vegas. Like, are they the, 
are they the are they the favorite out of the seven American markets? Do you think, Brian? I think once the NBA said that they were going to be doing the Orlando thing, Vegas, I think, became you know a, a, a near the top of the list in the NHL simply because the players can be housed. Uh, and, and there are hotels that just aren't going to be open or those that are going to be open are going to be at 40% capacity. So these guys will they basically read. I mean, it's got to be like an Olympic village, right? And, you know, they talk about Columbus. And, oh, Columbus has this great restaurant district. They, well, great. I'm sure the eating's good, but that's the last thing you want these guys doing. You want them to have their own little world. That's it. Yeah, that's a good point. There's, it's gonna be, like, like yeah, you good, well said. It's like in an Olympic village, but you, you ain't going out and enjoying the city the Olympics are in. You're in the village pretty much all the time. Brian, the 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 format with the qualifying round, uh, not super popular in oil country because uh, you got to take on an experienced Blackhawks team in in a best of five if it if it does come to that. I would have been fine with allowing 10 teams from each, each conference. That, that would have been my preference if I ran the NHL. I'm not there yet. But uh, what do you think of 24 teams and how they set it up? Reed, somebody was going to get scalded no ma- matter how you cut it, right? I mean, it, uh, go back a month and they were talking the top six in each division. And it's a frustrated Sabres fan. I'm belly laughing. I go, oh, my God, hey, the Sabres, it took a pandemic, but they found a way to get in the playoffs. But then they did what was fair because the Rangers were going to be the team that got scalded. The Rangers, points percentage-wise, they move them over into the Atlantic Cup. So, you know, I think it was the right thing to do. No matter how you cut it, you know, somebody was going to come up short. It's really it's not much different than, you know, the Final Four in football where number five is whining. You know, you go to a Final Eight, number nine's going to whine. Uh, somebody was always going to be the odd man out. Yeah, that, that that's a that's a fair point. And Bedman touched on it yesterday. There there maybe wasn't a, a perfect way to do it. The Golden Knights were were sitting pretty good, so they'll be part of, of however they want to structure this round robin for the top four teams. Tell us just tell us a little bit before we go here, Brian, about life in Vegas. I mean, we've all seen the photographs of no people, no traffic on the on the strip. Uh, what's it like now? Honestly, Reed, I think uh, Nevada's done a really good job. Uh, you know, you even hate when you talk about numbers, uh, you know, having one person pass away. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, it's like 400 in the state of Nevada, and the lion's share of them are here in Las Vegas. Uh, I, uh, it's an odd dynamic that the Strip, you know, looks like a ghost town, but the casinos, many of them are opening a week from Thursday. Slowly but surely, it'll start to come back. The one thing I will tell you, buddy, uh, I, you know, they've been wrong on so many aspects of this thing. But the one thing they were saying, well, that the virus won't do well in heat. Let me tell you, pal, it's 107 today. It's going to be 108 tomorrow. So uh, if, if, if the heat killing the virus is a thing, come play in Vegas. Brian, always love having you on the show. I know we'll keep talking on each other's programs as we move back into competition. Hope you're safe and healthy, man, and all your loved ones are as well. Thanks for coming on. Ditto, Reed. Always always enjoy doing it. Have a good one. Stay safe. That is Brian Blessing checking in from the Vegas Hockey Hotline. So uh, he kind of outlined the situation in Vegas with the 
ice sheets, so not the proximity that Edmonton has with the downtown community rink to Rogers Place, but he said they would have enough to host a, a bunch of NHL teams through the first couple of rounds and still have enough ice for everybody to practice. Hey, don't forget on 6.30, Ched, mornings tomorrow at 6.05 a.m., how would you feel flying into Canada with thousands of other people? Epidemiologist Colin Furness will join 6.30 Ched Mornings to talk about the dangers. That is with Chelsea and Shea. Okay, we should hear from uh, McDavid and Nurse tomorrow, so we'll have some of those clips for you on the show. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2. Thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy is back in the studio doing great work as always. Really appreciate that you took the time to tune in tonight. Hope you are doing as well as you can in your life. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 7. Take care. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.